You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is Dr. Jeffrey Campbell. He serves as Assistant Professor of Preaching and Dean of Students at the Criswell College in Dallas, Texas. And Dr. Campbell recently received his Ph.D. in Preaching and Pastoral Ministry from right here at Southwestern. So we are delighted to have you with us today on Preaching Source. It's great to be back on campus. Dr. Campbell, uh, you're at Southwestern Seminary this week teaching at our preaching conference, and I noticed that you had a breakout session entitled, Why Illustrations Are Crucial for Effective Preaching. Can you talk to us for just a few minutes about that subject? Yes, sir. I'd be happy to. Uh, I have found as I teach preaching at Crystal College that I get a wide range of students, whether they be 18 to 20-year-olds, all the way up to maybe 45 to 50-year-olds, and Guys who are called to the preaching ministry and they want to do a good job in the pulpit often find that illustration is the weakest area of their pulpit ministry. They they know intuitively maybe how to tell a story, but not necessarily how to relate the story to the text they're preaching and how to utilize that story to be something that's beneficial. So the breakout session covered some definitions. We had uh, John Broadus's definition from Treatise all the way up to... Uh, York and Decker, and we talked about text-driven preaching by Aiken, Allen, and Matthews, and just defining those things, and then talked about what purpose illustrations serve, and then ended that session just trying to illustrate some different texts. We put some texts up there and had the uh, basically everything from the New Testament with the imperatives underlined and just focused on the word pictures that were available and had a great time. Good interaction. There's a great bunch of guys here for this conference. It's a great conference, and I'm honored to be a part of it. Mm. Uh, Jeffrey, how, how can preachers improve their sermon illustrations? Well, the most important thing to realize is that if you're going to tell a story, it needs to serve a purpose. And so we're text-driven preachers, and the point of telling a story or making an application is to support the text. So I tell my students everything in a sermon needs to be a slave of the text. It ought to serve the text in some way. So if you're going to get up and you're going to tell a story, it should serve that text. Part of that is including appropriate detail, knowing what to include and what not to include. When you begin the story, knowing where you want to end the story. And then probably the most critical element is just being sure you connect the story to the text in the way you want to do it. Don't leave it to the listener to do that. You blatantly and unapologetically connect it to the text and let them know why you told the story. Uh, do you have a particular method of catalog, uh, cataloging, organizing, filing? Uh, do you have a system for your illustrations that you would recommend to preachers? Well, actually, Dr. McCarty, what I do is I try to just be aware of my goings-on day by day, you know, the things that other people may not notice, uh, something, uh, a faucet that is broken that used to have a function but now it doesn't, or a root that busts its way up through the concrete or something like that, just the what um, Chapel Brian Chapel calls the sublime ordinary, these things that we 
in a lot of senses, walk by every day, but would make great sermon illustrations. And then if you want a filing system, there are many books out there that talk about how you can catalog your sermons. You could just, you know, jot down a note, stick it in a file. This day and age with smartphones, maybe you just even just take a picture of what you would might want to illustrate or just make a note and text it to yourself. And then when you get back to the office, you could put it in some sort of filing system. However, I tend to try to look for new illustrations while I'm writing the sermon and try to keep that fresh because I think it helps the audience and it helps me as well. Oh, that's a great suggestion. Now, you wrote your doctoral dissertation on the role of the audience in the preaching event, which was uh, largely a discussion on uh, the interrelationship between uh, expository preaching and the new homiletic. Uh, can you speak out of that research and your your study there? What What is the role of the listener in preaching? Yes, sir. So what I desired to do in writing the dissertation was I see expository preaching, or now we would use the term text-driven preaching. Uh, text-driven preaching is expository preaching. And I would say that is one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is the new homiletic. And so I see that there's a lot of things that happen in between. Uh, what I sought to do was define both of those and then talk about what I thought they were getting right and what I thought maybe they weren't getting right. And as far as the role of the listener, what I found going through the research is, and you've done this as well, any uh, book you read on preaching that you would say falls in our camp, something that we would trust and want our people to read, it probably doesn't have a lot to say about what we should do for the listener, what the listener's responsibility is when they come to the sermon. We often talk about that from the pulpit, that our people should be preparing the night before, praying and come in ready to hear a word from God. There's no way we can make somebody listen, obviously. But there are ways that we can throw up roadblocks and hinder people, and that's what effective communication reduces that roadblock and helps them to hear. And so I think the new homiletic gets that. They see the listener as a valid and integral part of the preaching event. Now, Fred Craddock, who is kind of the grandfather of this movement with his 1971 book, As One Without Authority, says that in biblical preaching is how he would classify what we do that the audience is the javelin catcher. I don't know if you remember that quote from the book, but it's a very harsh image that we would just throw the truth of God's Word and expect it to impale them. That's not what we're trying to do. But I think as expositors, if we spent more time thinking about how our listeners receive information, how they hear, and encouraging them to be active in the process, we would actually be more effective in our communication. Mm. Uh, I think you have spoken about the preacher's duty to exegete both his text and his audience. Uh, how, do, how do you go about that, doing well, both of those? Obviously, uh, any information you can get up front is invaluable. I would assume, sir, that you probably travel around and get to go preach different places. And it, I've done that myself. It's hard to go into a church that you're not familiar with and know exactly what's going on in the congregation. You can know some things generally. Now, for the pastor out there that might listen to this podcast who is in his own church every Sunday and knows his people, visits them in the hospital, he, he has a great advantage over us in that sense because he knows exactly where his people are. He knows what they need to hear. He might not necessarily let that guide his text selection, but when he makes his applications and he speaks to their specific life situation, he'll have a leg up on us. So 
It's a hard process, but it's a process we need to do so that when we do use illustration or make application and we make the explanation that we're bringing it into their world so that they can understand it. Now, you've made a careful study of of what's called the new homiletic school and the major contributors of that. What Just briefly, what do you think the new homiletics got right and what did they get wrong? Well, I think what they got right is they got right the idea of focusing more on the listener. Uh, now, the underpinnings of it philosophically we would not agree with. It comes basically from a, a existentialist type movement that also takes a kind of a neo-Orthodox view of Scripture. And so it would not be what we would call conservative in its leanings. As a matter of fact, there is a definitely sacrifice of the authority of the Word of God, and it changes how they preach their messages. You know, the major players are people uh, that our preachers would recognize, guys like Fred Craddock. Um, then you have, you know, Richard Esslinger and uh, David Buttrick and Eugene Lowry and these different gentlemen who've written these books about narrative flow and sermons and all these things. So the issue of authority, I think they've gotten patently wrong. We believe in an inerrant, infallible text, and we believe that that guides the way we preach a sermon. Well, for somebody that doesn't believe that, obviously their theology will affect their methodology. They're not going to preach in the same way, and they're not going to do the hard work of an expositor. It's going to be more about, in their own words, being a tour guide, not being someone of authority who would say, here's the truth of God's Word, do you understand it? Now will you come up under the authority? But being more of a tour guide to help them experience the text. Hmm. Dr. Campbell, you're not only a professor of preaching, but you're also the dean of students at Criswell College. Uh, How interested are college students these days in expository preaching, and what, what could a pastor do to make a better connection with college students and young adults in his preaching? So obviously my opinion is going to be somewhat skewed because Crystal College is really conservative, just like Southwestern is really conservative. And so the type of students we draw are, yes, going to be interested in expository preaching. Maybe they've grown up in churches where their pastor is an expositor. They believe the same things we believe about the Word of God. But Something I've noticed is that a lot of talk goes on out in our culture about millennials and what they do want, what they don't want. Millennials seem to have a respect for authority and a high respect for authenticity. And if someone were to get up in front of them and say, I believe that this word is the word of God and I believe it can change your life, I think they are receptive to that. And so those are our college students today for those of college students that are out there and they want to sway somebody toward this to get them to come to a place like Southwestern or Criswell. You need to just encourage them to go somewhere where they can learn how to study the Word of God, teach and preach the Word of God, and where their faith will be built instead of torn down, which I think is essential for this group. They, they want authenticity. They want people to be genuine And even older guys like you and I can come alongside them and say, you know, we want to put our arm around you. We want to show you a better way. And I think if we're genuine, that they respond very well to it. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Dr. Jeffrey Campbell. He's a professor of preaching and dean of students at Criswell College. Dr. Campbell, thank you for being with us on Preaching Source. Thank you for the privilege.